Welcome to the Heritage Honor series right here on City FM and City TV. My name is Apioko. Now, we've been doing a series that has been spotlighting Ghana's forts and castles. What is the history? What is the heritage? And why are some of them particularly significant in the, I mean, beyond 66-year journey that Ghana has seen, far beyond into the Gold Coast and probably even beyond that? My guest is Kweku Dakoankra. We've already spoken about the Osu Castle. It's time to get into the Cape Coast Castle and what that means for us as Ghanaians as well. This series is sponsored by the National Lottery Authority and we get right into the conversation. Kweku, you're welcome. Thank you. Once again. That's why I don't even have to give you any pleasantries <laughs> because this is your home. Yeah. This is your home. But we're talking about the, the Cape Coast Castle. It's a castle that has featured in many documentaries all over the world. When members of the diaspora come back, they want to go there because there's such a huge connection when it comes to the, the um, transatlantic slave trade and what the castle meant in that regard. However, there's more. And yeah. so I want us to delve a bit into that today. You know, it was built um, as Fort Carl. Carlos Carlsberg. Yeah. How did we get to Cape Coast Castle? Okay, so <laughs> we are now diving into um, Cape Coast, which the Portuguese call the Cabo Coso. Cabo Coso. Yeah, that's their <laughs> place, Cabo Coso. But the town itself, as we know, is Ogwa. It was a market. Ogwa market. So that's why they have the appellation. Ogwa Akoto. <laughs> so do buy the, the the crabs, okay? There are thousands of that crabs who are always hovering around their homes. But thousands come to fight them, they cannot they stand, them stand them because they are very powerful people. So whatever you do to Ogwa, Ogwa will do the Ogwa, same thing Ogwa to you. Stand. stand and do the same to you. That's what they are telling you. So the thousand crabs. So that is Kabukoso, very important landmark. So the place became a one of the most significant territories to the European powers. So as I stated in the Christopher Castle one, the Cape Coast Castle itself, the idea itself was also started by the Swedes. So the Swedes, when they brought uh, Henry Kalof, Henry Kalof, when he came, built the Osu, as we have learned, was uh, 1652. In 1653, he built the Cape Coast Lodge. He built the Cape Coast Lodge, and they were in it for some time until 1658, 1659. 1658, 1659, the properties through a hostile takeover was given to the Danes. So the Danes came to occupy it, just as it happened at the Osu, 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 Osu yeah. Castle. So when they came to occupy it, it was for some time, from 59 to 61. Then they left it just because of misunderstanding between them and the Cape Coast people. So from 61 to 63, the castle was seized by the devil of Ogwa, who was then at Efutu. So in the history book, we call it Day. Day or, or, or Defu, which is the sovereign. 
who represent the chief okay. of the... Quick, let me just backtrack a little. What was the bone of contention between the Danes and the, the, the people of, of Capos at that time? Of so the, the time? bone of contention was that, um, how do you call it, when they came to take over, unlike the Swedes, you know, when the Swedes were building that, that fort, they employed some mm, members of the They were romancing the, yeah, the people. some members of the Cape Coast. <laughs> and in fact, I mean, it's burden. Um, a controversy occurred where the Cape Coast Asafo, Abrafumba, they called them Abrafumba. Abrafumba are the people whose parents were Europeans. So the mulattoes. Yes. So the Abrafumba, the Abrafumba, when they brought the people, they decided that the women should even be paid double. Those who were pregnant. And then the Swedes says, you know, they are one. And they say, no, they are women, as, from the matrimonial point of view, they are women, when they carry a baby in their belly, they are treated twice. twice. They don't give them one. So they actually <laughs> uh, bargained and they were able to get their due. So this apparently uh, make them some sort of have a good relationship with the Swedes. Mm. So when the Danes took over and this sort of uh, friendship was not so there, it led to a whole lot of things. And moreover, there was also a contestation by other powers who also wanted the, 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 the fought for themselves. Okay. And as a result, within these contestations, the day of Cape Coast decided to come in and said, okay, for whatever reason, I've seized it. All of you, this didn't even belong to you, it belongs to the Swedes, so I've taken over. So the day, or the, the, the or therefore, oh. took over from 1661 to 1663. And then later, he gave it back to the Dutch. Okay. Uh-huh, you gave it back to the Dutch. And then, when you gave it back from 1664 to 1665, the Danes and then the English also team up. <laughs> and then they fought against the Dutch in another fight, and then they took over the fort from the, <laughs> from, 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 from the Dutch. And when they took over from the Dutch from 1665, at that time, they make it the Royal West African Company took over. Okay. Uh, what is called the WAC. Okay, Royal but it was African initially company. built by the Swedish African company. company Swedish African okay, company. Okay, so, so at this point, the Swedish African company, company. no longer... No longer is there. It's been okay. sad through uh, the hiccup of the open in okay. 1658-59. And as a result, uh, as I said, the Danes were there. And then later, they, from the 1658-59 up to 1661. Then 1661, the or the day of Cape Coast also took over from 1661 to 1663. 1663, there was a counter fight from 1663 to 1664, where the Dutch, who have been given the, 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 the castle by the day, were also beaten by the joint alliance between the Danes and then the English against the Dutch. And okay. then they took over. So, quick, what was making this particular space and edifice so important that there were so many hostile takeovers. So you have the Danes, the Dutch, now British have come in. What was it about that particular space and the edifice itself that was making it so appealing that people were willing to fight for it? So it's the same as what also happened in Osu. You mm. could see similarity. What it is is that it is the trade, the volume of trade, they were getting the needed raw materials, both agricultural and as well as um, extractive metals okay. that they were able to get from the Gold Coast. And this is what endeared them. So because if you have 
power over that. It means you control the, the global flow of trade from Africa. Mm. And Africa have it in abundant resources. Of course. Mind you, when the first Portuguese arrived on the coast, Santa and Escobar, when they landed at Yavio, they say they saw a lot of gold particles on the coast, and that's why they <laughs> shouted, Aminga. Aminga. That is a mine. So it shows you that we had it in abundance. Aminga. So the, 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 And then the inland, inland traders, like the Akanis were bringing more gold. And then our gold was also the best form of gold in the transatlantic trade. Mm. So the white people call it Akaniska or the Akani gold, mm. which is the purest unadulterated gold you could ever find in the global trade, global gold trade. And that is why you could see that contestation for the forts and castles across the coast of Gold Coast. And that is why Cape Coast was so very strategic. Cape Coast is strategic because when you talk about the major trade routes, okay, the Great Southern Trade Route, mm. that move all the way from Salaga through Bego, downward through Wenchi, moving all the way through Kafu in Kumase, mm -hmm. passing all the way through Adanse, and then they cross the River Pra, move all the way through Asinukushia, Asampanaye, then to the Domkonsio in uh, 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 Asana Asana Manso, Manso. move all the way through Abredunqua. And at Abredunqua, the road will bifurcate. One will go all the way to Elmina, one will also go to Cape Coast, and one will also go to Kormante, other one will go to Anamabu. Mm. And Cape Coast was a major route at the time. So this is what made it very strategic for this European power to capture Cape Coast. And Cape Coast edifice, the way they built it, and the place it is, it was on a huge stone. As you see. Yes. And in fact, when they were burdened, there was a deity there called Nana Tabel. Tabel meaning the overseer. Nana Tabel. Yes, Nana Tabel. So when you go to one of the dungeons, you will see that they have built it and positioned the Tabel deity within it. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, according to historians, it was a big hole. That hole was even closed somewhere in the 1860s when there was a renovation there. Mm -hmm. But it was a big hole full of dangerous snakes back in mm -hmm. the day at the back of the of, of, okay. of the castle. And when we talk of these deities and then burden of the forts, at Anumabu, the same thing occurred when they were burdened the Fort Charles, now called Fort Williams. When they also burdened, there was a deity there called Kokobi. So they also have to position it in such a way that it will be in the castle and then open access for the locals to come and have it. In the same way, when you come to Jamestown, when it was also built, the Onyeni deity was also there. So they have to position it within yes. the dungeons mm. so that the locals can pass, can pass the back there and come and mm. uh, propitiate their deity. Mm. So that was how Cape Coast was also like. So Tabel played a significant role because back in the day it was one of the most powerful deity in Cape Coast and they have to build on its rocks which was a serious defense. Even up to today if you go you, uh, you, so you that, could see. Yes, so it was very strategic. For all these European powers, and that is why we see the contestation for that particular edifice during that time. So after 1665, when they okay, so quick, we'll, we'll come to that. Let's take a break. This is a Heritage on Air series here on City FM and City TV, sponsored by the National Lottery Authority. Kweku. So we are talking about how there are deities at these sites that we find these forts and castles. Cape Coast Castle was no different. We had the Tabro, Comfort Tabro there, 
and you know they had to build in such a way that the locals could still pass through mm-hmm. go around through the dungeons and access their deity now before we went on the break we were going to move on from there and talk about you know just i mean at this point where we are seeing that the thing has been built it's been contested several times there have been alliances and then people have also fighting against each other just to access and own claim to the cape coast castle where do we go to from here yeah so as i was saying when the british and the danish alliance finally were able to overthrow the dutch in the 1664-65 then the place became the office of the english people after in the alliance with the danes the Danes went back, and then the British, uh, what is called the Royal African Company, settled there. So by the 10 years afterwards, that is the um, 1675, or the 1775, they're about going, they made the place their official headquarters. Okay. The Capitol Castle, they make the place their official headquarters. And they control the castle for a very long time until today. So what, what happened was that when they took over, the castle, just like all other castles, was also their factory. And at the same time, the place where their officials and workers were also living. So it was a residential area, it was a working place, it was also a storehouse. And it has a church also there. Then when the transatlantic slave trade emerged, from the, when we moved from the legitimate trade to transatlantic slave trade, then more dungeons were also built mm. to accommodate the That's human nice. beings mm. that would be passed through. And it was one of the major strategic areas where a lot of human cargo were passed through, as opposed to other uh, forts mm. and castles. What, was it because of the trade routes? Uh, yes, because the tra- before the break, we established that was a very important route generally for trade. Yeah. Was it because of the trade routes? Yeah, because the, 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 the closeness of the Ashanti to the Cape Coast mm. was easier than to move all the way to Accra. So when they pass through, because you from Adansim Press, mm. when you cross there or through Kushia, through a place mm. called Ogusubari in Kushia area, when you that is where the shallowness of the uh, pra is. When you pass through there, you are entered straight into the central territory and you are getting straight to the to the to the forts and castles okay and as a result this made it possible for more of the trade to do what pass through there and then when the illegitimate trade or what we call the transatlantic slave trade came there a lot and a huge number of people also passed through there and the question is why because ashantis were major players who were in the war of expansionism mm-hmm. so they had a lot of human beings being given to them as a war tribute or as captives of yeah. war. Of course, they were conquering yes, so they all were conquering. the parts of the Gold Coast. Yes. Yeah. And this, uh, co- co- uh, in other words, they call them the conquistadors. So in this conquering <laughs> or expansionism, all the captives of war that they were able to lay hands on found their way to the Cape Coast, Cape Coast Castle and other allied castles around. Is it because they, the Ashantis were more willing to give those people up? I mean, they were captives of war. Back so. in the day, you can't say they were ready to mm. give people up because uh, you need to understand this from inside-outsider perspectives. Mm. Because but, during that time, certain ethnic formations have not even been formed, mm. or what we call the ethnic groups today. So if you look at uh, when the white people or the Europeans came, by the time of Portuguese arrival, 
even the Achim had not even moved from the Prairie River Basin to Birim area to become, to become the Achim. They mm. were still there as Akanese. Mm. There was nothing like Asante. Dentra was not even ready. Mm. It was a letter from the 16, late or the early 1600s, but around 1500s before the Achims will move to the Birim enclave. Then the Asantes will move. They prefer themselves. So this, when the Europeans came, they came within the period of state formation. Mm. So this was a period we were also fighting. So it was easy to capture people. Yeah, so when I capture, I go to war. So the Krefu fights the Akani people. Mm. And then he needs more, more money. The people he will conquer during the war, the captives, is what he will go to Cape Coast Castle or Elmina Castle to sell so. and buy more guns to come and expand their territory. So it was not that uh, I knew you to be one of my own. Mm. And, and I'm selling it you. It was really just a, a, a feature of the game yes, at the time. Yes, it is part of every society mm. when there is what we call social formation. Yeah. The states will engage in expansionism. And when they are engaging in expansionism, whoever mm. you conquer, you use some of the human beings, you sell them and you get more ammunition mm. to fight. That is what happened in, 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 in the Greek, Greek war. Absolutely. We see it in Roman Empire, Egyptian mm. Empire, and so on. So the more you conquer, the more you get human beings to sell. And that is what happened. So as I was stating, even Asante, as, a, as an ethnic group of kingdom, started in 1701, mm. okay, after the Fiyase War. A mm. state, accord, Kowu and others, all these states were to come later. That was long before the, uh, long after, after the, the European arrival. So it should, it should let you understand the context within which these wars will rage and how more human beings became a, 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 a product that fed the transatlantic slave trade. Mm. You get the point? Yes. So majority of people that went into the transatlantic uh, slave trade were captives of war. Of war. So they took mm. advantage. So... Uh, Reiki is saying that from 1665 going, the Europeans, particularly the Dutch and English, they flooded the coast of, uh, of Gold Coast that even one English captain in his report to the Royal African Company was saying that in the Cape Coast where my, my, my ship has docked, all the ground were scattered with so much ammunition that my leg couldn't even touch the sand. Wow. So it means they brought a lot of ammunition and, and I mean, the Availability of more firearms also led to right. ethnic warfare. Because the more you give them more uh, firepower, the more they fight. And the Europeans deliberately did so because mm. when they fight and expand their then territory, it's easy to then they are able to get the captives for, of war. Yeah. Because otherwise they, they can't penetrate the communities. They because if they didn't have more guns from the Europeans, more people, would, more captives would also flow. That is why we say the idea of transatlantic slave trade itself is an European enterprise mm. that was linked to that of the local elites who were also engaged in it. Right. Because no African built a ship to send people to go and sell in no. America or Europe. Right. No African formed any limited liability company no. to buy human beings and go and sell. No. But the European formed companies sponsored by their own state government, mm. sanctioning them to buy human beings to go and sell. Yeah. So that shows you that the idea of transatlantic slave trade, it is European, European capitalist venture. Yeah.
through as plain through. as that. Through and, through. and the Africans were they just integrated into it willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting that yes. point? <laughs> so that's what it is. And that is why Cape Coast Castle became uh, an avenue for this trafficking. Why is they were there? It was not only the trafficking. They also opened. They decided why African company was in the castle made an attempt to send some uh, how do you call it, go coasters to Europe to go and study. And the first people were Aqua and Saki. Aqua and Saki, they were priests of Anmabo's children. Okay. They took them there and then later they took uh, Kokusofu, who is Philip Kwaku. Your name say? Yes, they took him too. <laughs> and then they trained him as a, how do you call it, a reverend minister just to come back and then proselytize the locals to become Christians. And then when he came, the castle school was opened, and then he was a teacher, and he produced, I mean, quality students at the time, some of them who later became the forefathers of the Fanti nationalism and then the Gold Coast nationalism. Okay, so the Cape Coast Castle, again, are we right in saying that it's also tripartite in the kind of heritage that it represents, just like those two castles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the three of them, they mm. all fit in. In fact, almost all the castles mm. in the Gold Coast fit into that, even for the present time, because you have Atokwa there, mm. representing the dark, uh, the tourism. dark tourism sites, yeah. and so on, as well as cultural uh, heritage sites, as well as the slavery. So these tripartite sites, uh, as uh, most Ghanaian monuments mm. uh, uh, across the the, the, the coast shows they fit uh, beautifully well into that, okay. that category. Okay, we need to wrap up this conversation shortly, but from the time that British took over till now, I mean, we spoke about the slave trade and all of these things. Post the transatlantic slave trade, after it was abolished globally, what then became the significance, apart from the cultural heritage and it being a reminder of all the things that had happened there, what then became the significance of the Cape Coast Castle? So the significance of the Cape Coast Castle is we cannot also talk about education, emergence of education. In this country, without talking about Cape Coast Castle, Mina Castle, as well as Osu. Because this is where some of the early education started. Because Philip Kaku, for instance, will produce people like Neza, mm. produce the Degrafts, produce the, the Henry Morgan Incedus, and all those people are Toapieti and others who would then come in and then start teaching. In fact, it they is were true. the African intellectuals. Yes, those young guys, they were the people that called uh, one trader who was a Methodist, uh, uh, Methodist by faith, called Porter, Captain Porter, and asked him to send Bibles back to the Gold Coast. And those people, those people uh, led by the graft, wrote a letter that they need more Bible, and they form a group called uh, the Bible Band okay. Society of, the, of Cape Coast. And it was them that make sure Methodism came to Cape Coast through their effort. So through their writings and asking for more people, the Methodist uh, missionaries started coming in. The Anglican missionaries started coming in. Mm. Mind you, Kwaku was an Anglican missionary. He was trained by the Society for Propagation of the Gospel, SPG. So they brought in, in to come and win more souls after Thompson had also come in. Then the Methodists also, through Porter and other Methodist uh, missionaries, also they came in and finally Thomas Bert Freeman, who also came in and uh, he was also a mulatto, 
come in and then help. So in terms of the spread of the of mm. Christ, Christianity, the castle there yeah. also played a significant role. Of course, role. and of course with the spread of Christianity and the different sects, we also got to have the spread of education. There's yeah. a lot of these Christian entities set up schools and we like to call Cape Coast or the central region the education hub Absolutely. in Ghana. So in addition to, as I made a very remarkable in terms of gender equality and rights of the African women, you could also see that the idea of feminism or the idea of gender equality was something that was also embedded in the mind of the infante and the accounts. So this whole thing so, of a pregnant woman has yes, to be so, paid double because so she's pregnant we, go, and we want to that. go back and see <laughs> how the gender equality also go back into antiquity. You can see it from Cape Coast Castle Burden, the big eight establishment, how those women, the way the men argued on behalf of their women, that even when they are, they are pregnant, there are certain jobs they need not to do. Mm. And if they are forced to do, they must be paid twice. Absolutely. When the men were receiving only one salary, they were receiving twice. It shows you the right of women was here until the British themselves will come out with their uh, native jurisdiction ordinance of 1881 mm. and then couch the idea of uh, ruling through the chiefs, the chiefs. without including the, the idea of a queen mother. And the queen mothers. When yeah. queen mothers pray a significant, so it is the British themselves or the Europeans who undermined the gender equality or the feminist right within the Gold Coast. Because back in the day, even when it comes to pouring of libation in the house among the Fanti and then other accounts, it was the role of the women. When the Christianity as well as the European ideas through the European laws came, women were saying, hey, you can't no longer pour libation because women will have emergence and you will not have right. It would be impure to go near the deity and so on. So that Kepo's castle offers this beautiful idea of the right of women in our African society, how we treated them equally as ourselves. A perfect note to end on because we are in Heritage Month, but we are also in Women's History Month. So thank you for ending on that note. My guest today on the Heritage On Air series has been Kweku Dakuankra. He's a historian. And once again, he's one of our favorite historians. He's one of mm -hmm. our favorites here. We've been speaking about the Cape Coast Castle, the history, the significance, the heritage that it occupies in our series here right here on City TV and City FM about the forts and castles of Ghana. My name is Apioko. This series is sponsored by the National Lottery Authority, the NLA. We'll be back next time with some more insightful conversations for Heritage Month.